Welcome to the podcast of Corey Turner Ministries. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Turner. For more information, please connect to his website, CoreyTurnerMinistries.com. Is everybody tonight? Is anybody excited about being at church on a Sunday night? That was about 15 people. Is anyone else excited about being at church on a Sunday night? Sunday night church is awesome. Anything can happen and it probably will. You know, we had a phenomenal service, uh, two services this morning at this campus and I know at the other campuses were amazing as well. But I was preaching about healing. At the end of the first service, a young man with his uh, family came up to me. He'd been suffering from severe eczema from head to toe for quite a while. And during the preaching of the message and the prayer of anointing with oil and uh, ministry, he actually totally from head to toe got healed of eczema in his body. He showed me. He showed me all over the place. Totally healed. Now tonight I'm not preaching on healing, but I just believe that the residue of that same presence of God that was here this morning is here tonight. And I just want to encourage you to open up your heart, to hear what God is saying to us, to receive from His Spirit and His Word, because there is miracle working power in this room tonight. And so, Father, we come into agreement with Your Word. We come into agreement right now by faith that, God, tonight we're going to walk out of here different to the way that we walked in. Tonight is a great night for a miracle in Jesus' name. And I just pray, Father, that there would be such a spirit of faith in our hearts. God, we thank you for uh, our lives. We thank you for the gifts, the blessings. We even thank you, Lord, for the contradictions and the paradoxes because you are still faithful. You're still consistently good, even in the midst of those. And tonight, Father, I pray that this word would encourage, it would build up, it would be a word in season, not only for us as individuals, but for us as a church. We love you. We honor you. And I just pray right now, God, make us more aware of you in this place tonight, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, let's just give God a big praise one more time. We honor you. We worship you. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Well, um, as some of you know, uh, I've authored a couple of books and I'm really excited. I'm uh, currently writing my third book on walking with God and how we can walk as He walked. And that will be out uh, later this year. And I'm really excited to uh, just uh, have people read that and benefit from some of the things that God has taken me on a journey of. Uh, but um, I've written two books. One is Prophetic Vision, Seeing Your Future Clearly. And the other one is The Supernatural Life, Bringing Heaven to Earth. And uh, these have helped people uh, all over the place. And maybe it might help you. So if you are interested, make sure you check them out in the bookshop. And uh, I want to invite you to go with me to John chapter 7, verse 1. John 7, verse 1. Uh, a few weeks ago, God started to speak to me out of this passage. I'd never preached out of this passage before. And, uh, but God began to show me things that I believe every single one of us in life uh, struggle with and wrestle with as it applies to our purpose and the timing of that purpose in our lives. And tonight, I want to preach to you about your decisive moment. 
your decisive moment. John chapter 7, verse 1 through to verse 18, and it says this, After Jesus went about in Galilee, he would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand, and so his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, well, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, he is a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and he began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him, there is no falsehood. Speaking about your decisive moment as it applies to this concept, this issue of purpose and timing. Now, when I was 15 years old, I had a crush on a particular young lady. And I decided it was time to go and uh, share my feelings with that young lady. And so I'm 15, so what do you do? You ask your mum and dad to take you down to the florist. And so mum and dad drove me down to the florist, true story. And I went to the florist and I picked out a bouquet of flowers and I picked out a card and started to write all of my feelings for this young lady. That took a couple of minutes. And, and, and I just started to, you know, get down on paper and prep myself to go and, and let her know how I felt about her. And so I turned up to her netball game. True story. My parents drove me to the netball court, right? And some of you are like, really? Yep, really. And I, I turned up. And I stood at the side of the netball game for the entire game looking like an idiot with my bouquet of flowers and my card. People were giggling and pointing at me and, and mocking me, but I didn't care. I had laser focus on one person that was on that netball court. And at the end of the game, I don't know who won. And I don't know who lost because I was focused. And so we went for a walk, one of those walks where if you can cast your mind back when you first dated or maybe if you're married and you went on that special walk with that special someone, it's sort of that walk where anything can happen and it probably will. And, and you just don't know. You're sort of preparing yourself. My heart rate was beating fast. And, and so we found a park bench and I sat down. I gave her the bouquet of flowers. I opened the card and I read the card to her. <laughs> Fellas, I'm just giving you tips right here, right? 15 years of age. Bold as anything. Well, after I'd shared all my feelings, this young lady said, thank you so much, but I would just like to be friends. Friends. 
and my heart shattered into a million pieces. And I remember just horrified, shocked, like, you know, have I been missing the cues? Like, I didn't get the glances right. Like, what, what was it that I actually missed in this moment? And so I picked myself up, back, uh, picked myself up and walked myself back to mum and dad's car and because uh, they were waiting for me because what else do you do? You wait for your son with the good news. And when they saw my face and that it clearly wasn't good news, it was a very silent and awkward car trip back home. And I'm sitting there in the back seat in an absolute quandary, like, what the heck happened? How did I miss this? And I thought, you know what? I know what it is. It's the devil. It's the devil. The devil has blinded her eyes and her mind to the reality of the truth that's standing in front of her. So I start to pray in the back seat and intercede in Jesus' name. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, lift that veil of deception and darkness off of her mind and off of her eyes. God, come and illuminate her heart with the truth of what she has missed, of what is standing in front of her. And that lasted about five minutes and... Then I got home after a day, sort of forgot about it. And, and then 12 months later, I was at an event. And uh, this same young lady was at an event and I was doing something silly on the platform and hopped off. And now I'm 16 years of age. And, and I walked up to this young lady and she's smiling at me and she walks up to me and now she's got a card in her hand. True story. I'm like, oh, now the shoe's on the other foot, isn't it? And so I, I read, what is it with cars? Just speak. Anyway, so we got car, so we, we, we're communicating through car. And so I'm reading this thing and, and it's like, you know, I've just been thinking about the last 12 months and I'm interested in dating, da, 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 da. And all I know, if you're single here tonight and you want to be married or you want to be with that special someone, if at first you don't succeed, just pray and, and, and believe that God will move because the rest is history. I married her. She's on the front row right here today. I could get into trouble for saying this. She was slow, but she was worth waiting on. But all, all I know is, all I know is, as I look back, and I'm not giving her the mic for the right of reply, but as I look back at my life, and say particularly as it comes to my relationship with my wife, my wife was God's purpose for me, but in order for God's purpose to come into my life, it had to be partnered with God's timing. God has purposes for every single person in this room. But in order for that purpose to be realized and to be established, it's got to be partnered. It has to intersect with God's timing in your life. Don't misinterpret the purpose of God just because the timing hasn't come to pass yet. Many of us misunderstand and misjudge and misinterpret the purposes of God for our lives because it doesn't fit according to the time and the season that we expect and that we want it to happen. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.1, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There are two dimensions of time in the Greek that God has actually appointed to us. The first dimension of time is chronos time. Chronos time is the ticking of the clock and the turning of the calendar. Days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years. Kairos time is that God-appointed window of opportunity. 
where your purpose meets the timing of God for your life, and in a season or in a moment or in a time, that which God has put into your heart and that which is in the heart of God for all eternity becomes manifested in the earthly realm in your life for the purpose that God has appointed it for. Chronos time and Kairos time. Now you've got to understand something about God. God is eternal. He exists out of the time and space continuum. He is not bound by Chronos time. He's not bound by the ticking of the clock and the turning of the calendar. When God wants to do something, he just does it. So he comes to someone like Abraham in Genesis 11 and 12, and he says to Abram, Abram, I want you to become the father of many nations. First of all, his name means exalted father. But then he gives him a covenant, says, I want you to become the father of many nations. This was God's purpose for Abram, but the timing of that purpose was 25 years later when Abraham was 100 years of age. God is not bound by the biological clock and he's not bound by our idea of calendar seasons as much as he is looking for people who will partner with him in the timing of the purpose that God actually has for our lives. Now, like Abraham, we have the propensity to create our own Kairos moments. We have impatience inside of us. Some of us have FOMO, the fear of missing out. And so we believe that if we don't help God, and if we don't sort of, you know, move this thing along, then the purpose of God won't materialize and won't manifest in our lives. Let me tell you something. God does not need our help to bring his purposes to pass in our, in our lives. He does not need your help. He's perfectly, he, he is the epitome of perfection uh, all by himself. He doesn't need us to try and drop, you know, suggestions to him, maneuver things around to make things happen. What he's looking for are people of faith that will partner, not just with God's purpose, but will be patient in the timing that God actually has for our lives. The right purpose at the wrong time will equal confusion in your mind. And a lot of people get confused. Confusion is not from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> God is the author of peace. Confusion's from the enemy and confusion's from your flesh. If you're confused about your calling, your gifting, your timing and your purpose right now, it's because maybe you're trying to manipulate the purpose of God to manifest in your timing rather than understanding that we are partners and co-laborers with God and that God at the right time will bring an acceleration into our life when purpose and timing come together, when the right purpose manifests at the right time, there's acceleration, not confusion. Well, in John chapter 7, guess what? We bump into the issue of purpose and timing in Jesus' ministry. The Bible tells us that the Feast of Booths or Tents or Tabernacles is at hand. This was a feast that was dedicated to two things, thanksgiving for the harvest and remembrance for God's faithfulness to Israel in the wilderness. And so what would happen is everyone would turn up to the Feast of Booths. 
The reason is, is because they're all afraid of the curse of God coming upon them because Zechariah the prophet prophesied, if you read the book of Zechariah, whoever doesn't show up to the feast of booze, there's going to be a curse upon the land. So everyone's like, you better show up. I mean, you better turn up if you don't want to curse. And so every man and his dog is going to be at the Feast of Booths. And if they couldn't fit into the hotels in Jerusalem, then they would camp literally in tents, in man-made tabernacles all over the countryside. And during the day, they'd go and draw water from the Pool of Siloam. And at night, they'd go to the Candelabra festivities at the Court of Women. And almost like Jerusalem had their own sound and light show. And so it was sort of like a really epic event to be a part of in Israel. And so Jesus' brothers comes to him and says, Hey, Jesus, the Feast of Booze would be a really great platform to showcase your supernatural power. This would be a great platform for you to go and let the whole world know because they assumed that Jesus wanted to become famous and wanted to get a following in in Israel and in Jerusalem. Everyone's going to be there, Jesus. It's time for you to turn up and actually showcase your talents and show off to people the power that you have so that you can win some new converts and win back some old converts who had just left him in John chapter 6 because Jesus had preached his Dracula message. If you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part in me. Well, a whole swag of disciples left him after that. I probably would do. And so, you know, they're like, hey, you can win some of those back. You can win some new ones. If you show up to the Feast of Booze, do a party trick, do your thing and you know you're going to start to become famous and popular what they fail to understand is God's ways aren't man's ways and God's measurement of success is not man's measurement of success and God's approach to securing fruitfulness in life is very different to man's approach Isaiah 55 talks about my ways aren't your ways and my thoughts aren't your thoughts I remember when I was 26 years of age My spiritual father came to me and said, I want to give you the church. Two and a half thousand people I was on staff at at that time. And when you're 26 years of age and you're called to ministry and this is your thing and this is what you're gifted and called to do, that's that's an encouraging thing. That's an overwhelming thing. It's a flattering thing. But in my heart, God was speaking to me about planting a church with 13 people in a lounge room and no money. And here I am getting offered this amazing opportunity, and I was confused. I understood that God's purpose for me was to carry influence for the purpose of extending the kingdom of God, but I was unsure about the timing. And I remember several weeks after having several conversations about the potential of this, I'm driving down the road and I'm saying, Holy Spirit, please make it clear to me what I am to do. No sooner had the words gone out of my mouth that I'm looking at the car in front of me and there is a sticker on the back of the car that says, No Way Mount Evelyn. Mount Evelyn was the suburb that the church was in that I was pastoring at and was offered to take this on. And the sticker said, No Way Mount Evelyn. And there was some other writing I couldn't see. And I nearly bumped into the car in front of me and crashed into the car because I was so taken by what I was seeing on the sticker when I heard the Holy Spirit say, is that clear enough for you? (laughs) See, Father's purpose was that I would walk in influence and carry the seeds of destiny to impact other people's lives. But I had to come into wisdom about the Father's timing about how that was to be manifested in my life. Not every door to you that is open is necessarily a door God wants you to walk through. 
Many of us look at any favourable door financially, relationally, ministerially, and we assume and conclude, well, this must be God. But there was all sorts of doors that were open to Jesus. Think about Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, and Satan says, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all the glory of all the kingdoms of this world. How many of us know that's an open door? But it's not the door that Jesus should be walking through. Because the goal of Satan in the wilderness was to get Jesus to fulfill the Father's purpose outside of the Father's timing. And according to his method and his way, not according to the Father's method and the Father's way. And in fact, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, 13, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed until an opportune time. Scholars seem to think that the next time that Satan tries to come and influence Satan, uh, sorry, Jesus, to step outside of the Father's timing to fulfill the Father's purpose is here in this instant in John chapter 7 at the Feast of Booze. Because if Satan can't get to you in the wilderness, who does he use next? Those people closest to you. He uses your family. He uses people that should be in your corner encouraging you with God's perspective, but he often speaks through without them even realizing it, people around us that are close to us in order to pull us away from the Father's timing of the Father's purpose in our lives. You see, what was Jesus' response to the peer pressure? He says simply this, it's a famous phrase. He says, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read that a whole lot of times. My time has not yet come. Repeated throughout the Gospels is this phrase, my time has not yet come. Consider with me the other moments in the Gospels when Jesus uses that phrase, my time has not yet come. Or it says his hour had not yet come. Consider the wedding at Cana when Jesus is there and his mother Mary wants him to turn the water into wine. And he says, mom, my time has not yet come. And then he goes and turns the water into wine anyway, because um, mum sort of trumps all. And, 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 and so, you know, we see in, in Nazareth, they're about to throw him off a cliff and kill him because they thought he was blaspheming because he equated himself with the Son of God, which he was. But the Bible said his hour had not yet come. Now he's in Galilee and he's saying to his brothers, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. You see, Jesus refused to fulfill the Father's purpose in the Father's timing, no matter how much pressure was being put upon him. Do you know in the, in the Greek, it actually means, when Jesus said, my time has not yet come, it literally means my decisive moment has not yet arrived. In other words, Jesus refused to allow external pressure to influence him to decide his destiny moments in his life. But he said to the brothers, your time is always here. I used to read that and think, I think I know what that means, but I didn't really know what that meant. Because when Jesus said, your time is always here, this is what he's saying. He's saying, brothers, when you are the author and perfecter of your destiny... When you decide your decisive moments, when you are in control of your life, 
You always get to shape your life however you want to. But what you birth in the flesh has to be sustained in the flesh. And what you birth out of your own energy and your own strength and your own sort of ideas according to man and according to the pressures and opinions of the world around you, then you have to sustain. But when you let the Father dictate your decisive moments... When you let God the Father decide the outcomes, the promotions, the comings and the goings of your life, all of a sudden you position yourself that that which is birth of the Spirit in your life is sustained by the Holy Spirit and isn't sustained by you. I, I, I think this is so important because I think many of us are trying to sustain things in our flesh that we birthed in our flesh that God was never the author, author of, that God never ordained, God never appointed. And we're trying to make things happen that God isn't in and God's trying to get our attention and say, do, do you want to be the master of your own destiny? Do you want to be the master of, of your own efforts and your own energy? Or do you want to submit that and surrender that to the Lordship of Jesus and allow the Father to promote you and allow the Father to open doors for you and allow the Father to dictate when your time is. Because when you let the Father determine your time, all of a sudden God can do more in one moment than you can do in your entire life. This is so important. So Jesus, what does he do? He doesn't book a flight. He doesn't catch an Uber. He just stays right where he is. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. And my advice to you is until you hear God speak, stay right where you are. Don't jump from that job. Don't jump from that ministry. Don't stick your head up until you're called. Stay right where you are and serve faithfully and wait for the Father's timing. I remember when I was an intern when I finally surrendered my will to the call of God and I'm serving as an intern and they gave me the chair ministry and after five minutes of the chair ministry, I wanted another ministry because I'm sitting there looking at empty chairs going, I thought you called me to be a prophet to the nations, but here I am prophesying to the chairs and the Holy Spirit said to me, ministry to the nations begins with ministry to the chairs, set up the chairs. In other words, son, stay until I tell you otherwise. Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't chop and change and mix and match and get creative and be like Abraham and get suggestions from your wife about how we can bring the promised son to pass and, oh, sleep with my servant. What a brilliant idea. And don't, don't, don't get creative. Don't get clever. Just stay right where you are. Fast forward 15 years later, doors are opening all over the world, sitting with pastors, TV shows, all this sort of thing. And all I can hear in my ear is ministry to the nation, son, I told you, begins with ministry to the chairs. Because you stayed and you waited, now I can do what I've always purposed to do in your life. See, some of us, we want it so much, we want it now. We think that it's got to be this linear step after step progression into the destiny and purpose of God for our life. But sometimes point A to point P is a zigzag and point B to point Z C is another zigzag. And we're going this way and that way and we think we're going backwards and God's like, no, no, you don't understand. Your times are in my hands. I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. I've got a purpose for your life. I know the desires that are in your heart. I've given you gifts and anointings 
anointings and dreams. I've got a, a, a partner for you, a spouse for you. I've got purposes for you to walk in. I've got platforms for you to stand on. I've got conferences for you to speak in. I, I, I've got lives for you to change. But you've got to understand, are you going to dictate your destiny? Are you going to decide your decisive moment or are you going to let me? determine your decisive moments in your life. You see, I believe that for all of our talk this morning, we're talking all about faith and as it applies to healing. But for all of our talk about faith, one of the greatest evidences of your faith is your patience. Many of us think that faith is just about stepping out and risking it. That's one aspect of faith. But another aspect of faith is the patience you exercise to wait and allow for the Father's timing to come to pass in your life. Hebrews 6.12 says, it's through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. It's through faith and patience. It's not just faith to believe, it's believing to the point of waiting on the Father's timing. You see, Jesus waits for the Father's timing on when to enter the feast. It, it was the Father's purpose for him to be at the feast, but he wanted to wait to see how this was all going to play out. And notice what happens. The Bible says he enters the feast quietly. Are you amazed as I am at how much Jesus kept his ministry under wraps? He like heal the sick, cast out a demon, and then he'd say, don't tell anyone. If that was us, we'd be posting all over social media Instagram, Snapchat, you know, look what happened. God moved. It's, it's amazing. I'm amazing. Oh, and, and, and not Jesus. Jesus is like, just don't tell, don't tell anyone. The leper gets cleansed. The demoniac, the garrisoned demoniac gets set free. Don't tell anyone. Stay right where you are. I, I believe it was a bit of reverse psychology. It's like this one will get out. And, and, and so, but he's but like, you know, stay right where you are. Why? Because Jesus is not enamored by the appearance of things. Jesus would not be pressured by the expectation of people. He was living for the Father's will and the Father's glory. Not man's will and not man's glory and not even his own will. You see, this tells me your decisive moment doesn't have to be prominent for it to be significant. Some of us equate prominence with significance. Or should I say, uh, significance with prominence. Some of the most significant moments in my life happened well away from the crowd or the stage or the platform. I, I, to be honest with you, the greatest prophetic words I've ever received in my life did not come from a great prophet or a great preacher on a platform. Some of the greatest prophetic words came in my life from a little kid, a person that no one really knew or noticed, some of the greatest significant moments that happened in my life when I was just alone with Jesus. And he spoke to me. Your decisive moment, your purpose and your time does not have to be prominent for it to be significant. Stop measuring your life by the value system of the world. We are not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And many of us are approaching the kingdom of God and our purpose and our destiny and our decisive moments just like the rest of the world is. 
Well, I got to connect with this person and be seen in this environment and study this degree and get this job and move here, move there. And we are acting like the rest of the world. And we wonder why we're anxious and we're confused and we're depressed and we're frustrated. Australia is one of the most, if not the most prosperous nation per capita on earth right now. And yet we have one of the highest cases of anxiety and depression the world has ever seen. Why is that? It's because we're all trying to work hard to create our decisive moment. We haven't got a revelation that when you follow Jesus, you can let Jesus decide your decisive moments. You can come into a place of peace and rest with the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when you come into that place of dependency, all of a sudden you can recognize and enjoy the journey and enjoy the process and allow God to be the author and perfecter of your purpose and your calling and your time and your destiny and all of a sudden when you arrive on time it's a beautiful thing I love it the, the father has perfect timing for Jesus what does the Bible say the Bible says he enters the feast in the middle of the feast when everyone was going to be there the father knows what he's doing and before he enters the feast what are all the people doing Jesus is the topic of conversation where's Jesus why isn't Jesus here? Oh, Jesus is coming. The Father guarantees it. You see, this tells me that even the Father is working behind the scenes in our life, setting things up. Maybe you can't see right now that job that's coming your way. Maybe you can't see that person, that partner that's coming your way. Maybe you can't see that mission trip or that opportunity overseas somewhere that's coming your way. But the Father is working behind the scenes. He's setting things up. He's getting things into place so that you will be able to step into the timing of your purpose in a way that brings glory and honour to his name. Jesus steps into the middle of the feast and all of a sudden what happens? Jesus' teaching podcast blows up. I mean like 10,000 downloads in a minute. And everyone's like, this, this guy is amazing. Where did he get this learning from when he has not been at school? He didn't attend the rabbi's school. Yeah, but he attended the school of the spirit. Where did he get this authority from? You see, what they didn't understand is that Jesus didn't teach by another man's information. He taught by the father's revelation. The custom of the day was to attend a rabbinical school and then quote, all the uh, authorised and expert rabbis to reinforce and prop up your own theology. And so if you quoted this rabbi or you quoted that rabbi, you would indicate which school you came from, school of thought, school of theology, school of teaching. And so all of a sudden people would listen to you because you, you were sort of, you know, you were propped up by a, the apparent authority of other rabbis and teachers of the day, not Jesus. He doesn't quote one of them. Why? Because he's quoting his heavenly father. He's operating in life and ministry out of a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And in one moment, in one sentence, Jesus reveals his whole motive, his whole heart. He reveals the secret. There is a secret to the partnership between God's purpose and God's timing in your life. He says this in verse 18. He says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. What's he saying? 
He's saying, what determines the timing of my purpose, what determines my decisive moment is found in the question, whose glory are you living for? Are you living for the Father's glory or are you living for your glory? Now, if we were all honest, come on now, don't look at me spiritual and all holy. If we were all really honest with ourselves, all of us would have to check our spirit and our heart at times that sometimes we've allowed a preoccupation with our glory to become greater than the Father's glory. And when we do, we're actually creating our own Kairos moment, stepping outside, not only of the Father's purpose, but of the Father's timing for us. But when the Father's glory means more to us than our glory, the Father's timing is perfected in the Father's purpose in our lives because He matters more than I matter or you matter or they matter. And it's all about His glory, not about mine. I heard it. In a story about Corrie Ten Boom, a survivor of the Second World War. And Corrie Ten Boom was um, quite significant in her influence and prominent in her influence worldwide after the Second World War. She went around preaching the gospel, testifying to what God did, how she survived, all these things. And one journalist one day was interviewing her and asked, Corrie, how is it that you stay humble with all this notoriety and platforms and opportunities that you have. And the story goes that she looks back at the journalist and says, when Jesus was on that donkey going in on the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and all of those people were singing Hosanna in the highest and waving palm branches and laying mantles and blankets on the ground as that donkey went over on that ground and Jesus was being carried and celebrated into Jerusalem. She said, do you think it entered into the mind of that donkey for one moment that all of that attention and praise and glory and celebration was for the donkey? She said, oh, no. She said, all I am is a donkey that Jesus Christ can ride in his glory upon. You see, when you come into a revelation that all we are is a donkey for Jesus, then you get content to eeyore, eeyore your little heart out and allow Jesus to get all the glory. And when you make it about Him and when you make it about His glory, you become free to be the person you were always created to be. You become free to be secure in your own skin, to do what you do. And when you're secure in your own skin, David, you don't have to wear someone else's armor. You don't have to try and be anything else other than who you are. You don't have to try and perform. Our culture is gripped by a performance orientation. You don't have to try and be bigger than what you are. You can just be who you are. You can pick up your sling. You can pick up your stone and you can confront your giants, your Goliaths, and you can conquer them because greater is he who's in you than he that's in the world. It's not about your glory. It's not about your attention. It's not about your popularity and your job and your sphere of influence, but it is about the Father's glory. And when the Father's glory means more to you and I than our glory, then the, the, the Father's purpose gets fulfilled in the Father's timing. I'm so encouraged by the passage that John the Baptist speaks and declares. He says, a person cannot even receive one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. Every time I'm tempted, I talked this morning about 
Offense towards God begins with the question, why them and not me? Why their blessing and not mine? Why their promotion and not mine? Why their healing and not mine? What that is, that's comparing yourself to others. You're actually setting yourself up for failure and you're actually opening your heart to offence. And I just sense in my heart tonight that for some of us here, that some of us are really frustrated with the seeming lack of attention from God regarding the fulfilment of His purpose in our life. We're frustrated. I know what that's like. I've been there. I've lived that. My wife has journeyed with me on that. But we've got to come into a place of peace tonight where we just say, God, it's not about my glory. It's not about me. It's about you. And when it's about you, Father, then I know you've called me to this. I know you've anointed me for this. But I'm trusting in your timing for this. You've got to tell yourself every day, I'm called to this. I'm anointed for this. I am gifted for this. But I trust your timing for this. Come on, I want to invite you to stand on your feet with me right now. I'm called to this. I'm anointed for this. I'm gifted for this, but I trust the Father's timing for this. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that whatever crowns we've created for ourselves, whatever glory we've tried to seek or attain for ourselves, whatever restlessness or anxiety, stress, depression, worry, fear, fear of missing out, impatience that we have allowed to dictate how we've acted, how we've behaved for the timing and the purpose of God for our lives. God, today, tonight, we repent of that. And we ask, oh God, that in this moment of worship, You would cleanse us from all of that stuff that would separate us from Your purpose and Your call upon us. Bring us into a place of peace and of rest. Into a place of acknowledging that God, we don't want to step out of the, outside of the Father's timing in order to fulfill the Father's purpose. Tonight we're going to sing and we're going to worship and I just love the opportunity to pray with some people who are on that journey. Maybe tonight you know that God's called you. There's a purpose on your life, but you haven't seen it manifest and materialize, come to pass yet. And maybe there's been some anxiety, some frustration about that timing. I just want to encourage you God doesn't condemn you. You're not a bad person. He doesn't look down upon you. He just wants you to understand His heart for you. He wants you to understand, yep, I've called you, I've anointed you, I've got a purpose for you, but it can only happen in my timing. And tonight, if you need someone to stand with you and just pray with you and agree in faith, that we can see you come into a new level of peace and of rest then I want to invite you just to come and stand with me tonight down the front. We've got some leaders that will pray with you, that will encourage you, that will believe that you'll come into a place of rest and peace and not into a place of striving, pressure from yourself, pressure from others. And even tonight, if maybe just in the atmosphere of healing of this day, you're sick in your body, you need some healing, I want to invite you too to come. 
But as we sing, as we worship, why don't you get out of your seat, change your posture, step out in faith, allow the Spirit of God to begin to speak into your life. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Pastor Corey's books and speaking itinerary, please connect to his ministry website on coreyturnerministries.com.